welcome to the Virtual Pursuit Podcast, where a couple of average Joes connect on a weekly basis to talk all things hunting, scouting, and land management. If you consider yourself easily offended, this podcast may not be for you. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Great. Not too bad. Surviving. Now that you got your internet fixed? Yeah. That was stressful. For all the first-time listeners, so that would basically be just about everybody. It is everybody. It is everybody. We wanted to put together an episode, just give you a little idea who we are. That's what this first episode is going to be, just an introduction. I know it's going to be pretty rough the first couple of episodes. It's going to be one of those situations when you look back at a girl you were seeing a couple months ago and look back and you're like, damn it, what was I thinking? Hopefully over the next couple of months, we get a little bit better, improve a little bit, and we're not that unbearable. And we're not self-proclaimed anything. We're just three average dudes. We love to bow hunt. We love to chase whitetails. We hope that you all as listeners can relate to us, relate to what we talk about. We're always up for adding in any content you guys want to talk about. Feel free to hit us up. Let us know what we can do better, what we're doing right, what you want to talk about. This first episode, we just wanted. Let everybody know like what we're like, who we are, how we grew up hunting. With that, I guess we'll kick off with Lance. We'll let him start. Tell us your journey. Born and raised in Decatur County, South Central Iowa, Big Buck Central. I'm sure most everybody's heard about it. Would you care sharing your address with everybody? My farm sucks. <laughs> it don't matter. We've always had, oh, we bought and sold some farms over the years. So we've been anywhere from 200 to 600 acres. And right now we're sitting about 300 acres that we own. Most of it's cattle pasture, mix of timber. We have permission on a couple other farms around and just help some local guys take care of the farms and they let us hunt. That's what we do now. Not real big into trying to lease anything. If it really comes to that where we have to lease something, I'm just going to stick to my 300 acres right here. But the way I got started is dad always hunted a little bit back in the 80s, 90s. And when I started getting in 10, 12 years old, I always wanted to go with him, of course, being a little kid, wanting to follow your dad around. And he started taking me a few times and he just bought this farm that I live on here now. And I was 12 probably. And he took me out a couple of times and it didn't take long. Helped me hang a tree stand or two. And I was hooked, and that's all he needed to do was take one twice, and I've been trying to bow hunt as much as possible ever since. We used to have a big family group that shotgun hunted, and that was cool with the camaraderie and stuff, but over the years, most of my family call them the weekend warriors. They're farmers. They just take off two or three days, go around shotgun hunt, and they would follow the old rule, brown hunts down type thing. As me and my brother started getting more and more into trying to let deer get older, get a little bit more mature. We were trying to ask them, hey, calm down on shooting all the spikes, four corns, two, three-year-olds that you let run by. And, of course, they they didn't do that. And we just said, okay, we're not going to be doing that anymore here. So we, me and my two other brothers, we basically are strictly bow hunting. About the only thing we kill with a gun is our does because that's about the most effective way for us to do that. It was 
there's not much else to do down here in Decatur County besides deer hunt and farm. So I'm doing both of those and been doing them since basically I could walk. Probably my earliest memory that really got me hooked is my dad helped me hang a tree stand on a fence line. It was overlooking a, a nice little bottom that a guy had some winter wheat planted on. And I was probably 12 years old at the time, sitting there, had no idea what I was doing. And there was a big oak side hill coming down to this winter wheat bottom. And it was early October. Leaves were just starting to change, cool out. And it wasn't too cold where a 12-year-old would not be getting cold. And I seen six bucks that night. And they, the smallest one from memory when you're 12 was probably 140 inches, up to 170 probably. And never seen one doe. They, all those bucks came out in a big bachelor group out there and were just feeding on that ride. None of them came close enough to shoot at, of course. But just watching them at about 200 yards for an hour until it got dark, that was just awesome to me. And I chasing that same thing ever since. That early hunt, just seeing all those nice bucks out there and just continuing to try to do that each and every year since. Definitely a little bit different situation than Seth and I. We were actually fixing fence on that fence row that spring and one of the bucks jumped the fence and dropped both sheds right there. And so we found a match set of sheds to one of them. It's like, hey, I, I remember that deer looking at that deer knocked over. That was pretty cool. And that's why one of the early memories of shed hunting, I love shed hunting, just walking fence rows and finding sheds. Yeah, that's always a pretty cool feeling when you find a shed or two, pair of sheds to a buck you've been watching all season. That's always a pretty good feeling. Yep. Fox, you want to go next? Grew up in northern Iowa, opposite portion of the state as Lance. Where I'm at is primarily lots of crop ground. And luckily where we're at, it's actually pretty good hunting for up there, but you can get 20 minutes away and it's terrible hunting. Unfortunately, with a lot of the hunters up there, same situation as Lance. If it's brown, it's down. There isn't a lot of management to get big deer, but we're a lot better than most parts of the state, probably 10 minutes from Minnesota. When I got started hunting, first couple of years hunting, if you want to call it hunting, was spending most of the day sitting in the backseat of the pickup truck with the Orange Army doing their things, pushing deer. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Things were done a little bit different back then. You might see a deer running across the section and hightail it to see what it is. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. A couple years later, one day my dad came home with a couple of bows for my brother and I. The bow I had was an old browning. The riser was just solid wood. 24 inches. You couldn't even fit your hand around it. Nowhere close. And I swear the cams were about the size of bottle caps. The further you pulled it back, the harder it got. There was no let off. It was the biggest pile of shit I'd ever seen. No quiver. But I love that thing. It's just perfect bow to get started on. And obviously we're fresh to bow huntings. The old man wasn't going to go buy us new tree stands. So we got some angle iron out of the barn some galvanized angle iron you might hang up a garage door rail with or whatnot. We bolted together some squares, threw some plywood in, made a couple levels and strapped them together, and there's our tree stand. Built some ladders out of one-by-fours, and I remember first couple of times climbing up these ladders, they'd get the shaking, like when you get 
get the shakes when you see a big buck and you can't control it. There are some pretty sketchy tree stands. We got started doing that. And to set these up, we drove the skid loader across a section, got in the bucket, and the old man lifted us up as high as it could go. We bolted those tree stands in. And that's the first example of how we got into bow hunting. Did it for a couple of years. And I think I was onto a Matthews Featherlight at this point. But I was real excited. We got out of school early in November. It's snowing like a son of a gun. Probably got three or four inches before we got out of school. And we got home midday. And for whatever reason, parents weren't home. They're always home throughout the day because my dad farmed. But nobody is home. I'm like, I want to go hunt. And I didn't want to get in trouble and take a vehicle because I was probably in middle school. And I didn't want to take the four-wheeler because it was snowing like crazy. So I'm like, I'm going to take that new tractor we just got. So we just got in a 4760. So I hopped in that, drove around the square mile section, and then through the back end, and drove that half mile up the drainage ditch and got out my tree stand. And it was probably one of the best hunts I've ever been on. I was in there half an hour, and all of a sudden, just a slew of does walked by me. Probably 20 does, and then a couple of nice bucks were coming my way, but they never made it. They laid down on a brush pile, and I just sat there and watched them for 45 minutes. I was in shock. Probably the biggest buck I'd ever seen. And I just waited, and he never got up. I think eventually I just snuck up, pulled on him, and when I shot, I heard a, a loud slap. Thought I hit him for sure. Went over there, couldn't find any blood, and found my arrow clean as a whistle. Just having a situation like that, like your first big buck, basically staring at him in the eyes for 40 minutes. That was a pretty cool experience. That kind of got me hooked. Where I grew up, like I said, a lot of crop ground. I hunt the river bottom on the Wapsie Pinnacan River. And where we're at, the river bottom is probably 70 yards wide. When there's snow on the ground, you can see from one end to the other. Always been a challenge to get out to your tree stands without being seen. Sometimes you just have to risk it for the biscuit to get out there. To give you a visual where I'm at, Primarily cropland, flat as a pancake. We're pretty lucky to have a river bottom going through across the house, and that's primarily where I hunt. Now that I'm older, I have a property that I hunt along with farm, and it's a 35-acre square timber. That's all I hunt. It's just a little bit different than southern Iowa, but it gets the job done, and pretty fortunate to have that opportunity to be able to hunt on some private ground. I'll segue into that. I grew up in Northwest Missouri. When I was 11 years old, we were actually fortunate enough to get taught hunter education in school. I was in sixth grade, so that was cool. I didn't have to take a weekend out to go take that course and whatnot. But you talk Brownons down. I live in Missouri, so heart of the rut, open rifle season, of course, when I was 11 years old. It was so cool. You talk about deer camp, the camaraderie. Just a young kid with all these adults pushing ditches, shooting deer. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I grew up hunting with my dad. We probably didn't hunt the right way. I don't have a relationship with my my dad like I did in my younger years. Like that kind of tailed off. And this is not a boohoo me story by any means. It's just reality. Going to be transparent. When I was probably 13, 14 ish, I was watching the Monster Buck videos. I thought, man, it's so cool. They're killing all these deer with a bow. I should try that. I got this. Like Fox said, this, I think it was a PSC. I want to say a spider or something like that. I don't know for sure. This tiny ass compound bow, little ass cams, but hey, it was a bow and arrow. That was the coolest thing in the world. That's how I was going to get started bow hunting. And I started out to go out to 
a cornfield. I'd set this lawn chair up on the edge and think I was just going to sit there and wait for a deer to come across this trail. I was just going to draw back like he wasn't going to see me. Looking back, I'm like, man, that was dumb. But <laughs> you live, you learn. But you're a young kid. I give myself credit. I, I tried. Learning the woodsmanship and how to actually be a, an effective hunter is what, something I learned on my own, which I'm very proud of. And I continue to learn. I'm like a sponge. I give a lot of credit to good buddies I've hunted with over the years. It's never a bad thing to take tips and tricks from people that are successful. Given the fact that I grew up in the, and I still do because I live in Northwest Missouri still, trying to learn that dedication to, hey, you don't have to do the whole brown is down thing. Learn. You can pass mature deer. You can pass deer that have a chance, even though it's hard to get past that mindset that if I pass it, someone else is just going to shoot it. That's that's an escape route. It's easy to say that. Not that hasn't crossed my mind, but I try to do my best on managing my deer herd, trying to give those deer a chance, even though 80% of the time, come next year, I look at my trail cameras, deer's nowhere to be found. I just assume they were shot. Everybody knows that the button bucks taste the best. <laughs> yeah, can't the buck, no. They make the best jerky. That's true. But I hunt open ag land. I hunt a lot of open ditch ground, so access is a real problem, but I make the most of it. There's a lot of people out there that don't have the terrain, and even if you hunt southern Iowa, deer are still deer. They're not, everybody thinks, oh, you hunt in Iowa, there's a 200 around every corner. Lance can attest to that. That's not the case. You still have to be good at what you do. You still have to. There's luck involved in a lot of that still. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the silver spoon Seth does. I've had a lot of good hunting memories. There's not really one that stands out the most i guess my first deer cardiac andrew's old, bottoms <laughs> no one that it was old cattle pasture 11 years old homemade deer blind shot it with an open sight 30 30 we had to track it forever i eventually found it that's when the old checking stations which i wish they'd bring back because i was enjoyed even if i hadn't shot one yet you'd drive by see people with big bucks in the back you'd stop and i think that's what we're missing but it seems like anymore it's a competition Oh, you only shot whatever. I just missed just going to the check-in station, congratulating people on the deer they shot. And I still have the Polaroid picture of the very first deer I shot, because that's what they took at the time at the check-in station. That's how old I am. We all came from different walks of life. We all learn different, but we're continuing to learn. I think that's important to not get stuck in the rut that, especially with social media, everybody's out there. I'm the best deer hunter. Everybody's hating on somebody because they didn't shoot it certain caliber of deer you always have your bad eggs but the point of this podcast is to you don't have to take what we say is it you can take it with a grain of salt we're not trying to tell you how to be a better hunter in a way but we're trying to relate with everybody and hey we're average joes we love to talk about it the more we talk about it the better everybody gets so that's the point of this podcast and we hope everybody at least takes something away from that a little background on both seth and fox here from my perspective of being in southern iowa I can leave my back door, and I live 10 miles from Missouri. I could walk to Missouri and never leave the timber. I can weave through some hillsides, but I would never leave the timber. I would say, being at both Fox's and Seth's hunting locations, I would say Seth probably has 10 less trees than Fox. Still 10 less. The only difference is Seth has a little bit more rolling hill, and Fox's, yeah, it's north central Iowa. It's flat black. And Seth's got the Lust Hill rolling to it, but it's still good farm ground. So most trees, unless it's a 40-foot drop-off, is 
being bulldozed out and farmed. So there's not a lot of trees in either of those locations. I hunt a totally different world from what those two guys hunt. There's opportunities to get better hunting ground where I live. I live right here in Ames, Iowa. The reason I don't is because of competition. When I go hunting, I just want to be out there by myself. I'm getting away from work. I don't have to worry about anybody else. I don't have to worry about my cell phone. Even though it's just a 35-acre piece of property in the middle of a section, I can go out there and I'm in my own world and don't have to worry about anybody else. Are the deer as big up there? Obviously not, but it's my little getaway where I can just clear the mind and don't have to worry about anybody else. That's a subject for another episode because obviously access is a huge deal these days. Public, private, it's competitive. There's too many hunters for the amount of public access that we have, and private access is getting even harder. Thankfully, What's an acre of land go down in Decatur County? Just recreational hunting ground. If you want to buy it? Yeah. There's 160 acres of pure recreation ground that sold... Seven days ago, it was on the market for 10 days for $62.50 an acre. So that's $990,000 some odd dollars. And went boom, gone. You're talking prime time farm ground up in north central Iowa. It's probably a little bit higher now, but 10,000 acres and you're pulling income off of it every year, like solid income. Whereas people are paying $6,200 an acre just to go sit in a tree stand. That's just telling you how competitive the industry is right now. Yeah, even if you go talk to somebody like, hey, can I hunt your ground? They automatically, well, how much you want to give me? And it's anywhere from 10 to 50 bucks an acre, depending on where, how many food plots you can put out there and how extensive you can get the property and how good the property is and how many other people are already talking to that person. I like deer hunting as much as anybody, but I'm not going to go give somebody three, four, five thousand dollars just to go shoot a deer. I got my own ground. I might not be able to shoot a two hundred incher every year on it because I don't have five thousand acres, but I can shoot a hundred and sixty inch deer off it every year, so I'm gonna be happy saving my five thousand dollars and shooting one sixty. Are you shooting a one sixty every year? I I can shoot a one sixty to one sixty nine every year, but one (laughs) seventy that's not probably gonna ever happen. For me, thankfully, I am so thankful for the landowners and the farmers that allow me to hunt and they don't charge me. They're awesome. But not everybody has that opportunity. I think it's sad that there's a lot of hardcore bow hunters or hunters in general that work their ass off and they can't find anywhere to hunt. Not everybody can afford to go pay 50 bucks an acre for a lease or whatever the the going rate is. The public is just, it's just so overloaded with people. Who wants to Put all that work in to just have somebody walk under their stand, prime time, blow their shit up. I get it. I'm all about public lands, but I don't want to have to deal with that extra stress. I just want to be able to go hunt, enjoy myself, not have to pay an arm and a leg because it it's hunting. It twenty years ago was not like this. This is it's getting out of control. You want to go set up a trail camera and not have to worry if it's going to be there two days later. Yeah, or just people walking by it every single day hunting is a premium it's an all-time high it's out of control and i wish there was an easy solution that we could all enjoy ourselves have a good experience have opportunities and not have to fight against each other not because 
we're fighting each other because everybody wants that same experience, that same opportunity and success. And it ends up being a bitching match because it's just, there's not the places to go like there used to be. It's just, there's a lot of land that just gets locked up and not against anybody that can own land or afford land. There just needs to be a, a healthy balance somehow. And I don't know what that is, but I wish we could find that because everybody who wants to hunt should be able to hunt and be uninterrupted and not have to be at each other's throats when everybody's trying to accomplish the same goal. It's just like social media. Obviously, if you're watching some of these hunting shows online, you're seeing the best of the best. These people that have prime time ground in the best parts of the country, they're still very good hunters if they're shooting big deer every year. It's going to be a little bit different if you were to take those same hunters and throw them where Seth and I are. They're not going to have near the success. They're obviously better hunters than I am by quite a ways. I don't know about that. but Yeah, me too. I'm not, I'm like I said here. in the beginning, Just we're dying. not self-proclaimed anything. We are yeah. making this podcast to hopefully relate to the rest of the hunting world, the blue-collar guys and gals that just want to listen to a podcast that's not just shoving sponsorships down their throats. Not that we're against sponsors, but we're and doing it for awesome the right reasons. <laughs> yeah, we're doing yeah. it for the right reasons. But we just want to talk about it. We just love it so much. We want to talk about it. We want to interact with the, the general public. M- money can buy you big deer every year. That's 100% true. And I see that every day here in Decatur County. If you own, yeah, I might have 300 acres, but it's not all deer hunting I can't, I don't have the means to just pay for 300 acres. And so 180 of it or 200 of it's basically cattle pasture, savannah that we graze a little bit. And that's how we make an income to pay for the farm. And if you take somebody with 300 acres of all CRP crop, whatever, all hunting, that person has a good chance of shooting 170 inch deer every year. If you expand that to anymore, everybody thinks they need to have 500 acres or more in this county. And so if you got 500 acres or more, a lot of our deer and talking with Seth and foxes is not the norm. A lot of our deer, once they get like six, seven, eight, nine years old, they live on a 40. And so if you own more 40s, you have more opportunity to get a mature deer on your property. And I've shot a lot of eight-year-old deer that are 140 inches, but you still have to have that luck to have that 190, 200-inch deer at eight years old living on a 40 that you own or have access to. In Decatur County, you're going to have more opportunity just because we have more habitat to do that. And talking with Seth, he's, oh yeah, I got a picture of this deer, and but I got a picture of it three miles away that afternoon. I don't have that. I've I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I didn't do that or didn't experience that. So it's just, you know, you guys might have 300 acres to hunt, but it's a two acre draw is what's in the middle of it. So it's totally different wherever you're hunting. We hope everybody enjoyed the episode. We're going to wrap up. We just want to give you a background of who we are, where we're from, how we hunt. There's plenty to come. We're not perfect. We're going to try to clean this up, but just letting you know. We're just average guys. We love deer. Obviously, love to talk about it. We'll stray away from the subject from time to time, but we'll reel it back in. But anyway, that's what this podcast is about. That's right. 
So no continue nice. to listen. We're going to get better. We'll have more episodes coming up. We'll have different topics. Always feel free to reach out. Let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover. Talk about how rude and disgusting Lance is. That's fine. But anyway, I'll, I'll leave it to Fox to close it up. Yeah, I know. It's probably going to be a rough couple of episodes as we get started here. But we're human. We're out there trying to be big buck hunters like everybody else. So this is the introduction. We wanted you guys to get a little taste of who we are. We're going to launch this introduction episode along with episode number one, where we're going to talk about hanging stands. Hanging stands and still do. If you would, look us up on Facebook, Virtual Pursuit. And as we get a little bit further along, we're going to add a TikTok, Instagram, all that good stuff. Hopefully we're not too bad to watch, but we'll get there. Till next time.